opinions expressed on I Care Out Loud are mine and those of my guests. They should not be considered the opinions of either Ocular Surgery News or Slack Incorporated. Although, you and I both know they should be. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Care Out Loud. I'm Dr. Daryl White and we are taking everything that you're just thinking and saying it out loud. Let's talk a little bit about the Sky Vision story. Sky Vision Centers is my private practice and it has an interesting history and might give at least one of you out there some ideas about how you might proceed as our world changes yet again. In brief, Sky Vision Centers was my idea for how I might have changed the very large private practice ophthalmology group that I was part of back in the early 2000s. After I left that practice, it became the goal for me and for my family because we decided that we would stay in Cleveland and start a new practice. Basically, the idea was spawned when I was kind of on the shelf for about six weeks in December of 2013. I'm sorry, in December of 2003, I had surgery on both of my carpal tunnels. And as you know, once you have carpal tunnel surgery, you can't really do very much. And for six weeks, I was home doing uh, pretty much nothing. And I did lots of reading, lots watched a ton of movies, and finally got kind of bored with doing all that. But I had fallen into this uh, habit of looking at things that were way outside of medicine. I love economists. I love how economics works, and I love how economists think. And I started looking at all of the economists and their forecast for what should be done or could be done to make healthcare better, to make the whole medicine arena better. Now, it's a long, long time ago, but back in 2003, the prevailing notion was that healthcare needed to become more like the best consumer service businesses that you can think of. The thoughts were in all quarters that medicine at the point of delivery had become divorced from what we would think of as the best of medical care, Marcus Welby, that kind of thing. And returning to something which felt more like that was really the consensus opinion of all kinds of forecasters inside and outside of healthcare for what it would take to make uh, just a massive paradigm shift in how Americans felt about getting their healthcare. And since it seemed like everybody was on this train, that formed the basis of what would become Sky Vision. Now, we started Sky Vision with literally a blank piece of paper. My decision was that if I was going to do something, I would break the mold. And we decided that we would truly start off from the very first day as a customer-centered organization. In fact, if you ask anybody who works at Sky Vision now, no one really calls it a, an ophthalmology practice or an eye care practice. What we tell people is that we are a consumer service business. Our product just happens to be eye care. And what we did, and again, blank slate, no patients, no patient list, <clears throat> no contracts, no referral sources, 
but we had everybody in one place at one time. So uh, one of my uh, teammates, Scott Schlegel, who's an optometrist and I, sat down, had a blank piece of paper. We put a picture of a patient in the middle of that patient, uh, middle of that paper. And around the table, we had all of the stakeholders. We had our marketing people, the accountants, the lawyers, and the people who would help us design our brand. And the charge was build a patient experience, build a consumer experience around this one individual patient. It gave us quite a bit of freedom, as you can imagine. We did not benchmark a single medical business. We did not benchmark a single medical practice. What we did is we went out and we looked at what kind of businesses give people an extraordinary experience. What kind of businesses make people feel better after they've been there? And very specifically, what businesses do we want our patients to compare us to? What businesses uh, and what kind of consumer experiences are the things that we'd like to be compared with? Not necessarily your last best medical experience. And put it all together, and we came up with the Sky Vision mission, if you will. We benchmarked on the consumer service side the Canyon Ranch, Ritz Carlton, and Nordstrom's. And I'll come back to why Nordstrom's in a little bit. Now, the reality is that everything in anything that's as complex as medical care can't be distilled down to just experience. You actually have to do something. You have to provide the medical care. But patients can't really determine the quality of your medical care, can they? I presume that I'm speaking mostly to physicians, and maybe I'm speaking to uh, some optometrists and perhaps you know an, an occasional practice administrator or two, we know that it's incredibly difficult for non-medical individuals. Indeed, it's difficult for anybody who's outside of a particular specialty, even another uh, doctor, to really be able to understand what it is that's actually happening with their care and to be able to determine whether that care is truly better than someone else's care. So I think and we certainly proposed that outcomes and highest quality care would be the table stake. We were going to let people assume that if they came to Sky Vision, they would get the best outcomes possible. Because, you know, across the United States, at least in eye care, there really isn't a huge variance between practitioners. Let's take cataract surgery, for example. The average middle-of-the-bell curve American cataract surgeon gets outstanding results in his or her surgeries. It's just the fact. The same thing exists in laser vision correction. The average middle-of-the-bell curve American LASIK surgeon gets unbelievable results in his or her cases. How is it possible for a patient who has no training in ophthalmology or optometry to divine subtle differences between care outcomes. We just said that it wasn't. So we made that the table stake. Behind the scenes, we did everything possible to get the very best outcomes that were possible. But what patients really 
feel differently is their experience in an office. And good, bad, or indifferent, patients make a decision about where they're going to go based on how they feel. Now, in days gone by, we used to talk about something called the bedside manner. Oh, Dr. Smith has a great bedside manner. I'm going to go see him. Or Dr. Jones is just wonderful with patients. I'm going to go see her. Nowadays, in this era of bigger organizations, and in eye care, we have lots and lots of staff members to support each individual eye doctor. It's more than just what we might have said was bedside manner. What does the office look like? How does the office flow? How do the staff members interact with one another? How do they interact with the patients? What kind of follow-up is there? What kind of outreach is there prior to the visit and then after the visit? All of those things are kind of consumer service 101, if you will. In fact, one of the things we discovered is that eye care practices and medical practices in general are conservatively 20, 30 years behind the entry-level consumer service practices of even mid-level consumer service businesses, let alone someone who does such a good job as the person who sets up your experience at the Ritz-Carlton, for example. But that was our goal. So we set about creating something that would be a better experience. And why did we do that? Clearly, it's going to be more expensive. Well, two reasons. Number one, we needed to attract patients to a new practice. We needed to give them a reason to come and see us. And number two, we needed to give them a reason to stay. Now, remember, this is 2003, 2004. <clears throat> and literally every forecaster, didn't matter where you looked, didn't matter what side of the political spectrum was the basic underlining philosophy of a, uh, of a periodical, Everybody said the same thing. Insurers and big employers should pay more money for businesses that provide patients with a better experience. We did some numbers. Turns out that just for a regular visit, all we needed was $7 more. $7 more per encounter. And we would have been able to not only provide this much higher level of service, but it would not have been uh, deleterious for us from a financial standpoint as a business. Now, you of course know where that's going. The buyers of healthcare gave lip service to, oh, we are so in support of this. We think that this is a wonderful trend. We agree that patients should get a better experience when they go to see their doctor. But when it came time to pay, <laughs> yeah, fat chance about that. So that never really came to pass. However, everything else really did. We did become more attractive to new patients. We did do very well with keeping those patients. What was it that allowed us to actually put this into play, if you will? Well, there were two things. First of all, underlying the process where we were showing patients a better experience was really, really hardcore logistics. 
again, we didn't benchmark any medical practice. We didn't benchmark any medical business. Well, we went out and we learned about the Toyota manufacturing process. If you think about it, a patient moving through a medical office is really pretty similar in a very unromantic way to a chassis moving through the assembly line in an automobile factory. Toyota is well known as a company that does a fantastic job of making automobiles and making automobiles that are safe, well-made, and dependable. What is it about the Toyota manufacturing process that therefore can be applied to eye care, for example? Well, as a patient goes through our office, we have a number of different steps that they go through. There's an intake process where they are with our customer service people at the front desk. There's a pre-exam process where a technician brings them back. There are tests that we may do for those patients. And then those patients are seen either by an optometrist or an ophthalmologist or both. Looking at this from a highly process-driven viewpoint, there are ways that you can make this more efficient while at the same time making it more accurate and safer. That's one of the key things about the Toyota business model, the Toyota manufacturing model. Every single individual on the manufacturing floor has the right and the privilege and the responsibility to stop the assembly line if anything is wrong. Just stop it. The lowest person on the org chart can say, hey, there's a problem here. We need to stop. And the same thing was, the same privilege and responsibility was given to every single Sky Vision Center associate. If things weren't right, they had permission to make it right. In the aftermath, of course, just as an aside, if they did the wrong thing, but they did it at the right time for the right reason and had the right mindset, I made very clear that there would be no discipline. We might do some education about what uh, might be done to reach a better decision, but if the process was as I described, that was actually encouraged. So we had this business that was developed to not feel like an office, to not feel like a medical office, to not feel like a medical practice. I likened it to a really fancy Moen sink. At the time, a buddy of mine was running Moen. And you look at a Moen sink, and it's extraordinary. It's a, a piece of design which catches the eye. Underlying that is pretty standard issue plumbing. You look at that fancy Moen sink and you think, oh my gosh, there must be unbelievably complex stuff underneath, but you never look underneath. The Moen sink is kind of that experiential change that we brought to our practice. Underlying it was plumbing lifted wholesale from the Toyota manufacturing process. Well, all well and good, sounds pretty cool, and certainly looked great on paper. So how did we get our staff to buy into that? Because the staff we had, at least at the time when we started Sky Vision, was lifted uh, from existing practices in the area. These were people who all had some experience with uh, taking care of patients in the eye care setting. Well, we had to show folks what the difference was between regular customer service and extraordinary customer service. 
And so we started something that we called the Sky Vision Consumer Service Field Trip. And it was pretty cool. The first one, of course, was a big deal because everyone who came to work for Sky Vision was leaving a good job. We had to convince them that they'd made the right decision. And for a part of it, we actually invited their spouses to come along because, again, they were leaving good, well-paying jobs for a new business which may or may not make it. So what was this field trip? This was actually pretty cool. In order to get people to change how they deliver a service, it's much easier for buy-in if they're able to experience the difference between what we think is being provided at the time and what we'd like to be provided. It's not the same to hear it, even from someone who's a compelling speaker, someone who's got you at the door to the locker room, you're ready to storm out and take the other team by surprise and win the game, and you're all fired up because you've got this great speech. And that only lasts so long. When the the whistle blows and you have that, that first hit on the football field or the first bump on the soccer pitch, you know, things kind of fall apart. Mike Tyson used to say that all plans are great until you get punched in the nose. So to feel what this difference might be, I thought was going to be important. So we gathered up all of the employees. There were 14 employees and doctors. And I actually invited the spouses of the doctors to come along in this trip as well. We started off with three male doctors and we invited their wives to come along. And we started off by checking into the local Holiday Inn. And we literally checked in. We all stood around the front desk and checked into the hotel. Now on the way in, one of my buddies, who's a marketing guy, was working as our facilitator. And as we were entering the hotel, he asked everyone to put their secret shopper eyes on to be really observant about every part of their experience. What did they see in the decor? Did people make eye contact? Were people helpful? Did people go out of their way? How did they, the Sky Vision Associates, feel when they were experiencing this? So we walk in through the front door, kind of a blustery day in late fall, and we all self-parked in the parking lot and walked in and checked into the Holiday Inn. Now, just after we started the process, <clears throat> and, and by the way, check by checking in, I mean we literally checked in. We bought one hotel room that no one stayed in that night, but we wanted, the, we, we wanted this to be a real experience. We're all standing around the check-in desk, and the clerk was uh, very pleasant, made eye contact in the beginning of the experience, and just as we were starting to uh, kind of get our reservation started, the phone rang, and she took the phone call. She took the phone call, didn't excuse herself, and then proceeded to interact with the person on the phone for a good solid three or four minutes and never once looked at any of us in the party. Certain, We were all kind of, you know, that one foot to the other foot dance while we're waiting and kind of nervous and, you know, a little bit put off, but it was early in the day. Everybody was enthusiastic. She hung up the phone and in a very clinical and straightforward, no eye contact manner, made the reservation, turned the key over, and then walked away from the desk. We then went in for a lunch for which we had a reservation at the hotel restaurant. 
there were going to say 17 of us. And we walked in, and the restaurant had one other table occupied. And looking around the restaurant, there were three or four servers. And they placed us at a table in the back of the room. Now, in the back of the room, we had the kitchen on one side that we could peer into. And the back door to the trash bins that we could also peer through. And they gave us one waitress. One waitress for 17 people when the rest of the restaurant was empty. She worked hard, man. She worked really hard, but it's really easy to understand how difficult it is to provide service to 17 customers when you're left there out on an island. She, of course, made one mistake, just one mistake with one meal. And in a funny aside, she brought the meal out late to the slowest eater in our party. Everybody knew that our, this one technician was just an incredibly slow eater. She knew it, and we all laughed about it. And she got about a third of her way through uh, the meal before we had to leave. We all piled into our cars and drove across town from the west side of Cleveland to the east side, where there's a high-end mall. And we went to go cosmetic shopping. Now, the vast majority of people who work in medicine, certainly the vast majority of people who work in eye care, are women. And women understand what it feels like to shop for cosmetics. Now, uh, eye doctors, especially eye doctors who take care of ocular surface disease and dry eye, male or female, also know a lot about makeup. I know a ton more about makeup than probably every single uh, cis male that you've ever met simply because I sit in front of women who wear eye makeup and have dry eye. So we started off at Nordstrom's and it's the Christmas season. So things are busy. We started off at Nordstrom's at the Bobby Brown boutique. Now we had called ahead and made reservations for three complete makeovers. And as we walked up, 17 of us, we saw the manager of the Bobby Brown boutique in Nordstrom's in a little bit of a panic and we could overhear her. Oh my gosh, it was only supposed to be three. There are 15 women there. All right, you come on, let's call this person, let's call that person. She had gone into make it right mode. She did not think for a minute that she wasn't going to take care of our group. She instantly went into how will I take care of the group. Very, very impressive. We went up to her and said, no, 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 you're good. You're great. You don't have to do anything. The rest of us are just going to watch. These three women are your, uh, your customers, and we just wanted to see how you interacted with them. And she instantly, big smile, the three women sat down. The interaction between the cosmeticians and the staff members was just exquisite. All smiles, all attention, all, well, how does this feel? What would you like? And all during this time, the manager of the boutique was serving the rest of us. There was tea or coffee or water if we wished, all dramatically exceeding everyone's expectations. After finishing this, we walked through the mall all the way to the other side of the mall, and we went to Macy's. Now, Nordstrom's felt way out of reach for everyone who was working at Sky Vision at the time. 
Macy's was one of those nearly attainable reaches for these folks economically. And we went to the Almay booth at Macy's, and there's an Almay booth at Nordstrom's. And on the way through, we made sure to look at the prices of the cosmetics, and sure enough, the price was exactly the same at Nordstrom's as it was at Macy's. Walking out of Nordstrom's, we were walking out of a uh, a, a space that had wide open areas, lots of room between display cases, high ceilings, muted lighting. We walked into Macy's, and it was literally claustrophobic. The aisles were narrow, piled high with all kinds of Christmas gifts and things of that sort. As we're walking up to the Almay booth, once again, 17 of us, three three reservations for makeovers, we heard the the manager of the booth say, What's, what's this? They're only supposed to be three. Oh, this is this is not what I was here for. Uh, you know, it's it's noon. I mean, it's it's my lunchtime, and she left. We saw her inside the booth having a bread bowl, soup bowl, and she was supposed to do one of the makeovers. So instantly, there was a difference in the care and feeding of our group. The manager in the at the Almay counter bailed. She looked at our group, didn't see an opportunity. She saw a problem. And she bailed. The other two women, who the cosmeticians, were quite lovely, but they were rushed, and they just blew through the entire experience. And although the technicians who had their, or front desk people who had their makeovers looked quite lovely, the experience was totally different. Back we went to our cars and downtown to Cleveland to the Ritz-Carlton. Yep, we did it. We went to the Ritz-Carlton. And everybody was uh, met by their husbands, and we did a check-in at the Ritz-Carlton, but this time everybody checked in. And a little bit of a nuance, I had all of the staff members and their spouses stay on the concierge floor, on the club floor, and all of the doctors just stayed in regular rooms. Everyone checked in. Everybody had a very individualized process. The manager at the Ritz-Carlton saw a group coming, and magically three additional front desk receptionists appeared, And we went through the process very, very quickly with five front desk attendants where there had only been two when we walked up. We then had dinner at the Ritz-Carlton. And as you can imagine, our experience was extraordinary. Two long tables set next to each other. We had, uh, oh my gosh, there were at least, oh, there were three of us for every person who was serving us. And the manager of the restaurant was in several times to make sure that everything was okay, but not always coming to me, often going to one of the women who were seated at the tables and asking how we did. And dinner was fantastic. We retired to the club floor lounge for dessert. And in the final kind of, you know, coup de grace, if you will, my buddy and I started organizing all of the furniture on the club floor. It's about 930 Nobody else there. And the concierge came in and said, well, what are you guys doing? And we explained that we were going to kind of do a, a, a group talk, we were like a focus group, about our experience at the Ritz-Carlton. And we just wanted to put the seating into a, a better arrangement. She goes, oh, huh, let me help. <laughs> so we turned her club lounge upside down and she helped us because she got it. She got what we were doing. Now, you know where this is going, of course. 
My buddy Pete had asked everyone in the group to put their secret shopper eyes on, and it was amazing what they had seen, starting literally when we walked in to the, the front door of that first Holiday Inn. It was a windy day. There was trash blowing through the overhang that cars come through. People noticed that. There were luggage carts that were in the way going through the front door. People noticed that. Everybody noticed that we only got one waitress. Everybody noticed that the receptionist didn't make eye contact. Everybody noticed that the people who were facing away from the front door of the restaurant had to look either into the kitchen or out at the garbage. Similarly, at the mall, how you felt at Nordstrom's. Everything was open. Everything was comfortable. You didn't feel crowded. You didn't feel rushed. In Macy's, quite the opposite. Everything felt like it was closing in on you, and you were a burden. We were clearly a burden to the people at the Almay booth. And then, of course, the Ritz-Carlton experience was a Ritz-Carlton experience. To a person, every single one of the folks who started off at Sky Vision at that time knew exactly what it was that we meant by creating a patient-centered organization because they'd felt it. They felt what it was like to be in the middle of the market. Holiday Inn and Macy's would be something which is certainly higher than the Days Inn or at the time we had Ames and uh, Kmart and places like that. Now we would think of maybe Walmart or things like that. It's clearly a step up, but certainly not the highest step. The other thing that everyone realized was that the price of Almay was exactly the same at Nordstrom's as it was at Macy's. And so you can provide that different level of patient experience at the same price point. It's just harder. You have to be committed to it. Giving the initial staff at Sky Vision the opportunity to feel what it meant to have extraordinary customer service was incredibly important for us getting off to a good start. Come all the way you know, we're 14 years into our, our Sky Vision experiment now, and I still have probably a half a dozen folks who are with us, uh, including, not including the doctors. And I don't have to do very much to teach new hires what it means to be truly patient-centered because the culture at Sky Vision now is so ingrained, going back to that first experience, that everyone who is there now takes the new hires under their wing and teaches them and shows them and demonstrates to them what it is to be centered on that individual patient. Now, lots of challenges have come up over the years, and I'm sure I'll have an opportunity to, to do an epic rant on how the electronic medical record world is turning my, my whole philosophy upside down, but you know, we are and have been from the get-go a truly patient-centered organization. Patient-centered to us is in our lifeblood. It's what we do all day, every day. It's not just a slogan. It's not just something that we advertise. Like, you know, we're so patient-centered that we have same-day emergency visits. You just have to travel 100 miles to one of our satellite offices. No, it's not like that. We are patient-centered from day one and continue to be and a big part of it is because every Sky Vision associate gets an opportunity to feel what it's like 
to get world-class customer service. I'm Dr. Daryl White, and that's another episode of I Care Out Loud, where if you're thinking about it, I'm willing to say it. We'll see you sometime soon.